Blog Talk Radio. Cast across the country by Blog Talk Radio and later on the exclusive BeefLow360.com. This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program, presented by 1-800-Flowers. I'm your host, Mike Gardner, and joined with me in studio, re- a uh, reunited episode, the notorious Ben Florence. That's right. Beefo, we're back in our old humble abode. Okay. It's like we never left. Exactly. Like we never left. <laughs> Fans wondering, yes, I am in D.C. this weekend. A little uh, career center advice. And um, some overall shenanigans. Just want to give the <laughs> shout out to the uh, the lovely people on campus that have either been excited to see me or given me awkward looks, <laughs> like that they hadn't seen me, and this is the first time in nearly you know seven <laughs> eight months that they have. But Beefo, uh, how's your week been? Week's been uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, at the CBS, a lot of focus on the election, and now about midterms, of, right? Yeah, midterms. I was on Capitol Hill, actually, on Tuesday, which was interesting because there was nobody there. Then I went to the DNC, which would, you know, now looking back, would have been it would have been great if you had a little sad trombone action based on how disastrous there was for them. And then now at CBS, we got this new uh, live stream digital network going on. So fun times, but a good week, a good and a good great to have you back in town. Good to be back, and it's good to. Uh, Basically, pick off where we left off. I want to give a shout-out to Ben for going solo on our Halloween extravaganza. That's right. Because uh, you uh, we, we uh, previewed a wild weekend, especially in motorsports. That's, That's where right. I was last week at Texas Motor Speedway, which turned into one of the races of the year, <laughs> considering <laughs> all the shenanigans that went down. Uh, basically, with... First green, white, checkered. Oh, no, not even before that. Race was uh, in Jeff Gordon's hands, four to go. And Clint Boyer smacks the wall yep. and ironically continued to smack the wall going up the front stretch, <laughs> brought, out the, brought out the yellow, green, white, checkered. And on the uh, ensuing restart, Gordon getting possibly a little cocky choosing the outside yeah. lane, to which Brad Keselowski flipped the gap, cut Gordon's tire, Gordon spun out, went a lap down, ended up finishing 29th, and then... Not only did the points just get completely shuffled, where Kevin Harvick, who is currently eighth out of the uh, the eight in the eliminator round, is I think eight points from the mm-hmm. cutoff from from the, the, the I guess the ESPN says to the good. <laughs> and ensuing that Harvick also was a uh, instigator playing the uh, the role of of match on the fire, which started a huge wild brawl in which had both Gordon and Kislowski drawing blood. Funny thing about it was. Uh, for for the uh, at TMS, we always take our our staff photo mm-hmm. after the weekend. <laughs> and one of the guys I worked with said, because we usually set up in Victory Lane and have all the confetti after the post race, which Jimmy Johnson won the race, by the way. Yeah, I mean, people have <laughs> forgotten that. In case fans don't remember, Jimmy <laughs> Johnson won the race. Great to see uh, him and Knauss wearing the Lowe's red vest. That's right. <laughs> in, in honor of all the employees. But instead, we didn't go to the um, to Victory Lane. One of the guys I worked with said, let's reenact the fight. <laughs> So uh, our photo is going to be just like a bunch of people smiling, pretending to hit each other, uh, which uh, ended up prompting Greg Kislowski to come by himself in the media center to uh, to have uh, these few these interesting words uh, post race. I'm doing everything I can to uh, to win this championship, uh, racing at a hundred percent, and that's something I'm not going to be ashamed for. Um, you know, if I was out there. Wrecking guys to do it, that'd be one thing, but a little bit of rubbing, I think it's probably how this sport was created and probably how it should move forward. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind getting raced that way and uh, I don't mind racing that way. I got a little rub there at the end, too, from the four car, and it's just good racing. So and I came here to race, not fight. If I wanted to be a fighter, I would have joined the UFC or I'd have a management team like he does. But I came here to race 100%, and that's what I did today, Bob. And, um, you know, 
The only thing I wouldn't be proud of is I went and started fights or jumped in fights. I wouldn't be proud of that. But what I'm not going to do is back down. I'm not going to get in the spot where I was in 2013 where, you know, I, I tried to be exactly what they all wanted me to be because what they want me to be is a loser. And I'm not here to lose. I'm here to win. It hurt somebody else's day, and, and that's a shame. But the reality is there was a gap. Um, and, you know, I'm not Dale Earnhardt or Ayrton Senna, but I've I've read how they raced and how great they wore to the sport. And they would sit here and tell you that they would go for that same gap. I'm not them, but I'm inspired by that. I'm going to race that way. Interesting words, Flo. Kislowski comparing himself to uh, to a three-time Formula One champion and the great intimidator. Mm-hmm. And we look at both sides of the coin of this situation. Brad Kislowski, immediate villain. Yes. Which is something we haven't had in NASCAR since the, uh, the Rowdy Bush days before he got hitched and now will be a father-to-be. But then looking at it from Kislowski's side, uh, it's it's just a typical uh, Rubens racing scenario, is it not? Yeah, I mean, when you watch it, because as you noted, Gordon made the, the, the odd decision to take the outside lane. And, you know, I don't blame, and I read uh, Jeff Gluck, uh, our good friend from uh, USA Today, read his piece. I don't blame, I don't think Keselowski, because we've had, you know, Keselowski is, you know, he's a bit of a magnet. And a lot of drivers, you know, they like to get in, you know, he's an easy guy to pick on now. And... But I don't blame Kazowski when you watch the video, Gordon there was room. It's also late in the race. Gordon comes down on him, they make a contact, Gordon cuts his tire. I you can't blame Gordon for being frustrated. He had the best car and it out of the 48. Exactly. And he was field, yeah. and he was very uh, he was going to win or be even better. Now he's barely in he's one point clear of being in you know the race, and now every is so tight now because no chase driver has won to this point. You had Dale Earnhardt Jr. last week, Jimmy Johnson this week. I can't blame Jeff Gordon for being frustrated. I I don't blame Brad Keselowski in this situation. I think he was doing what any other driver would do, but because it's Brad Keselowski, let's say had the roles been reversed, I think uh, you know everyone would be mad at Keselowski for coming down when Gordon had the spot. So, you know, the the fighting now, we're getting fights virtually every week. And I think that's a key result of this point system, especially now. Everyone's trying hard to get into that, uh, that you know, the championship race next week. The points are still so tight. There's only 18 points to separate first and eighth <laughs> right now. So it's it's crazy times. But you know what? As the great quote is, Robin's racing, that's what happens. Yeah, Kislowski is an immediate product of this system because he was in a desperation situation. I mean, you almost saw Kevin Harvick turn Kislowski on the final lap coming to the white. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's because you know had they had both of them not had bad Martinsville races, yeah, they they would never be in this situation. And ironically, the uh, the uh, the closer turn instigator, Happy Harvick had uh, had these words to say during his media availability uh, this this weekend this morning at a PIR. And for me, it's like the week of, of two totally opposite situ- situations. I think um, I have no problem with the way Brad races. I, I think he races hard, and, and um, I think that's that's what we're all supposed to do. And uh, in those positions, you, you probably do the same thing yourself. But I think that the problem that I have with it, I've I've had my I've been in that situation with him before, and had him turn his back on me and just just walk off. I don't I don't think that's the the appropriate way to to handle uh, those types of situations. So. Um, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and, and I reacted, and, and obviously, uh, you know, didn't really realize that it was going to ignite that. But um, all in all, it just it just kind of rubs me the wrong way when when you when you have to just turn your back on situations and, and walk off and, and mumble your way off into, into no man's land and not not just handle the situation. Uh, I think that in those situations, you at least deserve to, even if you're going to get yelled at or whatever the case may be, you at least need to to handle it like like. Now he's someone that comes into this scenario, basically both him and Keselowski had nothing to lose at Texas. And, you know, it, after all the dust settled, they're, they're basically right where they started. Yeah. Both guys would be eliminated if if the race ended. Now, we mentioned this, we were talking about this uh, before we went on the air. This same thing happened at Charlotte, which 
We had the big five. We had the Kenseth, Hamlin, Kislowski, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> yeah. And we said no, it's stupid to have retaliation at Talladega. Went to Martinsville, and, it, and basically the only beef that was started was Kenseth and Harvick, to which you have Kenseth on his knees begging for forgiveness. Yeah. And nothing happened at Texas. So now going into Phoenix, which we've known as a track that has had wild adventures. Of course. Ironically, with, with Jeff Gordon, who uh, <laughs> you know was involved with Clint Boyer sprinting across oh, the garage uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> Does Phoenix have, yeah, as everyone's expecting, are we going to see, you know, the Kislowski ticking time bomb? Or because there's even more pressure considering this is the last race mm-hmm. for four guys. Are we just going to see all this brush away and and this be like the media frenzy that never was? I think that the the you led into it because you talked about the PF Phoenix. You know, it's such a unique racetrack, but it's also kind of track where stuff like this does happen. The space will get spread out, or the field gets spread out a little bit, but there's it's still tight racing. It's like it is kind of it's a totally unique track. It's a small short track, but it's flat and it's it's very. That's what makes it such a cool and fun track especially for the second-to-last race of the year. so But now, especially because this race has such meaning that, unlike when we talked about after Charlotte, the whole Talladega mess, the reason why you can't really do retaliation at Talladega because you could turn somebody around and you could take out half the field or you could wreck yourself. Here, I like think... We, like we saw with Kyle Busch. Exactly. So, and, and that also, you know, the points thing. But now here, you have all these... Tensions. I don't think Gore, we know what the deal with Keselowski is. He always races hard, and that's why so many people love him. And so many people love him because he's very, he's very opinionated. He's not afraid to tell you what he thinks. And this is a sport where you don't see too many of that. You get guys, and I think you get guys like uh, Jimmy Johnson labeled as you know they're you know they're sponsor friendly. They won't get wild. I think Jeff Gordon was a guy kind of like that, but then he goes off and swears and calls. Uh, uh, Keselowski of vulgarity in that. So the, because the points are so tight and because every position is going to matter and everybody's basically going for the win, I think there's really no way around it that this weekend there's going to be something of some sort, whether it's maybe just a near-miss guys, they bang a little bit or somebody turns the guy around. But And I think that's what makes qualifying at a place like this earlier because if you're in the back, then you're already setting at the wheel and it's not a great – not an easy track to get from like 30s to first. So I don't think we're, I think it's just about inevitable. I mean, I can see the opposite though. I'll mm-hmm. play devil's advocate on this because I think because the points are so tight, you don't have to waste your time headhunting someone. Because a guy like Kevin Harvick is, is assumingly the favorite to win. Or I'd say, or him, uh, as much as, as, as he's been great in the chase, Jeff Gordon, or even Denny Hamlin. Someone who's, or even Carl Edwards, someone who has won at this track before. Those guys have such high odds to do well. There's, no, I think, there's no reason. I think when you'll see the the retaliation of Brad Keselowski will come at Homestead. That's where guys mm. that get eliminated will yeah. have all this angst, all this built up <laughs> anger, and just go head hunting for the white number two. Because I think in Harvick's case, Harvick can't afford to to get bumped, or and Jeff Gordon can't afford to wreck someone either. That's right. Because he's you know on such the cuff line. Uh, that being said, this this weekend, this Sunday, on ESPN, very exciting uh, mm-hmm. Phoenix race, which features a top three. So if the chase would end now, the four guys that would advance: Jeff Gordon at fourth, Ryan Newman at third, yeah, and then a a tie for first with uh, pal Joey Logano and yep. Danny Hamlin. Flo, going in, in, I guess looking further in the crystal ball. If any of those guys make it, is is people is this sort of a laughing stock at NASCAR? Considering you could have a guy who has not won, and then Hamlin, who's only won once, yeah. competing for a championship. Well, it's interesting because so many people made the point that this point system, the new point system, which I like, and I remember, I mean, I didn't love, I don't love that the the there's going to be the one race to decide at all. But what I liked about it is that it does reward winning, and that if you win in a playoff round in one of these rounds, you're going to advance. The problem, with the thing that people notice is that if you have the system last year, Dale Earnhardt Jr. wins the title, and he didn't win at all. So I think that you know Ryan. I think there's still 
points racing to an extent still exists. Yeah, Newman's been absolutely. New- he's got that. Listening to him in the media center back in Texas, where he went on Friday. Yeah, he's got this thing down to a science. He does. He says, you know, if we finish like fifth or eleventh. That's a good day, and it's clearly shows. Absolutely, you know, and the thing, I thought Newman was going to be eliminated, not in the first round, but in the second round, because he's been so consistent this year. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have any wins. He doesn't even have that many top fives. He only has four top fives, and he has less top tens than everyone, but he's run very consistent. He only has one DNF this year, and kind of similar with Hamlin. He's run very consistent, although he's been a little all over the place, but he's run great of late. Your dark horse to uh, win the Absolutely. championship. And I didn't even think he was going to advance uh, out of this round. But, you know, a guy like Newman, I think NASCAR, I think they want the guys like that have won a ton of races. And so, but you're going to look at two Penske guys that have already that have come by for 11 wins, including Brad Kozlowski, but he's on the outside looking in. You know, the boogeyman himself. So I think NASCAR wants the winning guys, but I think that there's really no way around it to get, keep out the guys that are running very consistently like Newman has of late. Yeah. Who are you for to advance after Sunday? I think I think Harvick's going to win. He's so good at Phoenix. He he runs really well here. I picked him to win. when won the, I made, Won the spring race. He won the spring race. He, he was first, fastest in the first practice. I think he's going to win. I think Logano... And Hamlin, actually, no, Logano will advance. I'll say yes to Hamlin. And so that means I have one more guy left. And I think it's going to be Newman. He's got that 10-point advantage on Gorn. So I think it's going to be Harvick, Logano, Hamlin, and Newman right now to win it all. I'm very surprised that I have Newman in that camp. But with how well he's been racing, you know, and, you know, he's very consistent. He's run well, stays out of trouble. I think he's going to advance. I I I I agree with you with your top four, but I'll mix it up. Uh, I think it'll stay the same. I think those four guys that you see now, Hamlin, Logano, Newman, and Jeff Gordon will be the four guys. Mm-hmm. Because you could have a scenario where the guy's desperate for wins. Basically, you can have a repeat of Texas. Guys are desperate for wins. Mm-hmm. Well... We'll go out and wreck someone, but then get nothing in return. Yeah, That's basically what Kislowski and Harvick did. They are, basically, what Kislowski did is going for the win... Went all for broke and was still in the same situation yeah. he is now, with no wins. Mm-hmm. I could see another non-chase guy winning. That would be great. I would not be surprised if like Jimmy Johnson won again. Yeah, and completely just ruins it. And then and, and then when that happens, Even it goes, it it goes back to points. Yeah, and guys like Newman and Hamlin, Newman and Joy, like Hamlin and Joy Logano, and Newman will just be consistent. Mm-hmm. They'll you know they'll, they'll stay out of trouble. They'll be satisfied with the top ten. Maybe even a top fifteen because they're going to bank on the other guys just racing so far over their heads, being absolute morons. Yeah. That they could end up breaking themselves. That being said, to Jeff Gordon fans, I would not be surprised if he does not advance at this point in the juncture. I'd, I could care less. The drive for five has been probably the, one of the rockiest roads ever. Yeah, it's kind of wild. He has been, you know, among among the elite drivers this year, probably twenty four of the four. And the two Penske cars, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, uh, that could be a great final four. I think it's the final four that uh, the championship race that everyone wants to see, because that's that's like a combined like like fifteen, sixteen wins. Yeah. But then, but my final four, the four guys, is probably gonna be the four you see now. Gordon barely getting in mm-hmm. because someone who jumps him in the points will get wrecked or get you know <laughs> come, come down to a, a debris caution set, green light checkered, mm-hmm. guys will go spinning. And then Newman and Hamlin because they've run consistent, and then Joey Logano because he's been the best driver in the chase so far. Yeah, he's got two wins out of both rounds. So that's our NASCAR talks this Sunday on ESPN. <laughs> Gotta love it. I think it's what uh, three o'clock start. I think so. Three o'clock Eastern. You don't want to miss it. Uh, sparks will fly. But uh, speaking of um, of racing, before we sort of tie all this uh, in together, last week uh, was an interesting uh, crossover. With uh, the U.S. Grand Prix and a big announcement that Gene Haas, who is the owner, a co-owner with uh, Tony Stewart for his race team, is starting an F1 team in 2016. Now this has sparked everything because it won. I think in 2010, Formula uh, Peter Windsor. Yep. And I don't remember who the the second guy was. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm... Those two guys. I think Haas was originally involved with it at first. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to. 
start a a race team. Yeah, it was a guy that was it was Peter Windsor and the guy who was the former technical director for the old Haas CNC racing team. Ah. Which then became, of course, Stewart bought into. So yeah, those guys tried to get something off and it didn't work. Now he's trying again. So we've we've had a Grand Prix. We've had we've had American drivers. Last time a, a U.S. team was in F1, I think it was an Eddie Cheever was racing. And that was back in you know the eighties. Um, but then you know ever since the nineties, ever since the U.S. Grand Prix left in two thousand seven, it's, it has not been really received well. Is Gene Haas the guy to? bring sort of a renaissance of, to American Formula One? You know, it's it's something that they've, you know, it's so, it's very been difficult. The, the, that team, the USF1 team, tried and failed to be able to do. Because Formula One, it's, because it's such a European series, I think they're, you know, I think it's still relatively popular. It's just, it's been way passed by NASCAR and even IndyCar. But I think, you know, with Gene Haas, it's very interesting because Bernie Ecclestone said at the beginning, because Gene Haas isn't a billionaire. He's tremendously wealthy because he has the Haas CNC company, which does very well. And that's how he started the NASCAR team in the beginning with the, the great Jack Sprague driving the uh, <laughs> Net Zero car, Net Zero car way yeah. back when. But um, it, it's it's something that's very tough. It's very it's a very expensive sport. You see a lot of teams at the bottom very well struggle to kind of because it's so dominated by the upper echelon. And then who's the who are the drivers going to be that could be competitive? The last F one driver was Scott Speed, who then we see in NASCAR really didn't do anything. So it's going to be interesting because you know the previous team they tro- they were going to throw their names out to the big name NASCAR drivers, guys like Edwards and Kyle Busch, and they were like, no. <laughs> so it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. But it's a very tough sport to break into. It's even more difficult than NASCAR because there's so much, and also because you're taking a team. If you're good, it's going to be based here. But it's in Charlotte, I think, is what the rumor exactly. is. Exactly. But you know, it's a Euro- European sport <laughs> for the most part. So I'm very intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by Haas. You know, people also forget a few years ago, G Haas was in jail yeah. for uh, like tax evasion, and that's when the 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 whole so he fits right into F1. Exactly. Then. Well, I guess like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, because he's gotten he's gotten a lot of I mean, he's got the money, and but of course, as we've seen this year, two teams actually boycotted the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, and it was going to be as many as five because Bernie Eccleston has no idea what what's going on with financial issues. I'm interested to see you know what other investors because there's um. Uh, Chad Hurley of YouTube has expressed interest. He was going to do it in uh, the USF1 team, and now he wants to, I guess, try to do it again. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if they got Google and YouTube backing, because that's what it is. It's dominated by manufacturers. You've got Ferrari, Mercedes-Benz, and Red Bull, sort of the three biggest teams. Yeah. And then every other team is just sort of in constant limbo. And don't forget, F1 and USA have not seen eye to eye. We are still waiting for that race in Jersey. That's right. To which F1 has gone to even further lengths instead of not putting it in you know, the, the nation's biggest city, but instead have races in uh, in Sochi and Kazakhstan next year. So that's the F1. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what the drivers are. Exactly. Uh, I've, heard, you know, I've heard both Bush brothers being thrown into the pot. And as we know, Kurt Busch uh, did the double for Indy 500. So he's a guy that is um, very ambitious to try new things. And also Kyle Busch was supposed to do a test when Toyota was in the F1. Mm-hmm. And I guess that fell through because he's, he's sort of the face of Toyota. Yeah, in NASCAR, so that's exciting. Uh, of course, we're done with Formula One, probably for the rest of the year, because yeah. unless the USA guy is signed, it, it's like Flo said, interested in uh, seeing what happens next. But we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, talk some uh, some media feuds because we love beef on this show. We do, and we'll break down uh, some NFL and college football ga- previews for this coming week. Big slate of games you don't want to miss. Once again, you're listening to Fanatic Radio, presented by 100 Flowers, to remind you that you can save 20% on your purchase of flowers and gifts when you use your Visa checkout. Order now at 1-800-Flowers.com. Make sure to use the promo code VISA20 at the checkout. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Be right back. It's Fanatic Radio. What's wrong with that? He fought for his country. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
Later on B Flow three sixty, also check out the podcast on iTunes for uh, more greatness. Oh wait. Listen to Flow and I break down the Phoenix Chase race this Sunday. And uh you can also dig into the archives to take a look at our past previews, including NBA preview. Which always <laughs> was was a great time. Yeah, it was. But we'll roll forward college football and NFL this week. Great uh slate of games for the college football board as we are definitely in the heart of uh, conference play, and including some two two big games, especially in the Big 12, as we have number 12, Baylor, number 15, Oklahoma. And then later, we have uh, number 7, Kansas State, at number 6, TCU. Now, that game is huge because if Kansas State wins... Well, first of all, I don't know how in the world that this team has had one loss. And the only loss has been to Auburn. So this team has, could easily have been a top-five team and been undefeated. Bill Snyder, in, in his 70s, yeah. continues to just have this team with an iron fist. And if they win, they control their own destiny. Could we ever imagine the, the winner of this game being the college football playoff? You know, I think that one of these two teams, I think you're going to see a one, if there's a one-loss Big 12 champion, I think they're going to get in. I don't think that, unless you get some real craziness, but I think 
as of right now, I think one of them will be in. You know, I've, I've been surprised by both teams. I thought both teams were going to be good. I mean, we knew that Kansas State always. You know, it really is amazing what Bill Snyder has done. First off, the the initial job he did, which is a legendary job, took one of the worst programs in the country, built it into a tremendous program. Then he retired. It like went back back toward the mean. Then he comes back. Everyone says this does this this doesn't make sense because they're just trying to relive the glory days, and they've been they've been gotten back to where they were. But you know, with his teams, they're they're going to take care of the football. They always have the mobile quarterbacks that are dangerous. Play solid defense. They even have a uh, Gronkowski on the team, yep. which I read about in Sports Illustrated. The great uh, Goose Gronkowski. But then you got this Baylor club, which I think has surprised some people because uh, their quarterback uh, Boykin. TCU been, or TCU? Pardon me. What did I say? Baylor. Oh wow. Yeah, but Baylor. I mean, Baylor's been solid, but TCU. Their offense has been tremendous, and you know Gary Patterson. Their club will give you some defense. So it's a huge game in the Big 12, and but I like TCU, and I think TCU is going to roll on fourth toward the inaugural college football playoff. That game is on 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Gus will be on the call, so you know it'll be a good game. That's right. That game is in Fort Worth. TCU has had such the benefit of the doubt playing at home against good teams. They had Oklahoma, which they got the initial upset, and then now they get Kansas State, which I would not be surprised if they win. Mm-hmm. But uh, and funny for TCU, their only loss. And this is where sort of the, the this crazy Big Twelve circus goes. Oklahoma is out two losses in the conference. Baylor's only loss is to West Virginia, but TCU's only loss is to Baylor. So if TCU beats Kansas State, K State's losses to TCU, whose losses to Baylor. That's where you'll get the tiebreaker, and that's where you'll get chaos and so much you know mumbo jumbo. The K State team is very good. They shut down. They went into Norman and. Shut down the Sooners. So the thing is, though, Kansas State, have we really seen them play against a spread offense like TCU, in which in which you know Boykin runs that set spread option, mm-hmm. and they've they've been able to to rack up insane amount of points. It actually would be interesting for that Baylor Oklahoma game because what yields is Oklahoma's defense or will Bryce Petty just light them up for fifty points? And that game's at noon Eastern on Fox Sports One. So Fox in the Big 12. That's right. But the, uh, in another big game, the CBS game, Vernon Gary Danielson on the call, Alabama and LSU. As in Death Valley, an LSU team that I believe beat Ole Miss? Yes, they beat Ole Miss. Could they, uh, do they dethrone Alabama? You know, it's, it's always tough. I talk about this all the time, and I talked about it last week. It's so tough to go into Death Valley. Period. Well, particularly at night. When they're in the afternoon, they don't have nearly the edge, but it's always fun to see Nick Saban and crew go back to town. I do like Alabama here because they've looked good after that close win against Arkansas. They've just turned it up a notch. And Arkansas has had a number of those games. They still haven't broken through to get that first SEC win in a long time. But they've been close on a number of teams. This is a good Arkansas team. But anyways, Alabama's been playing really well of late. And it's not a great matchup for LSU. LSU loves to run the football. They love to use Fournette and they're a ton of running backs. They love to just pound the clock, pound the rock and pound the clock. But the problem is Alabama is very strong against the run. So it's really not a great matchup for LSU, even at home. So while I think it's going to be a good game, when those two play, it's usually fun in multiple aspects. And again, you know, you have the whole Nick Saban, Les Miles factor, two pretty different coaches, but yes. still very successful. I mean, Les Miles is out of control, and we love it. But I think Alabama goes into uh, Baton Rouge and uh, get the win. Yeah, because looking at, at Alabama's schedule, this is must-win territory for the Tide because then they got number one Mississippi State next week. And that'll, yes. be, a, that'll be a dandy seeing uh, how Saban and Kiffin and company – Go because Alabama. If Alabama can win out, then they're going to win. Pardon me, that is the night game. Wow, for some reason I was thinking that was at three thirty. Yeah, the primetime game. Wow, I just. But yeah, I still have. That's it. Yeah, eight p.m. Eastern CBS. Fail on my. Vern on the call. That Alabama. If Alabama wins out, they're going to win the national championship. They have to go to Death Valley, take on Mississippi State, and the uh, the Dan Mullen offense. Mm -hmm. You know, have a cupcake, and then out, and then Auburn. 
Yeah, but but all three of those games. So if, if they can beat LSU, mm-hmm. they have home games the rest of the way. And this is the Bama team I said win national championship. And when they fell to Ole Miss, everyone was like, "Oh, Kiffin, you know, Kiffin's ruining Saban. I have no idea what they're doing." But that fourteen thirteen win against Arkansas, I think, was the turning point because that was the week after. It showed how vulnerable Alabama was, and then they shut out and drummed. Mm-hmm. Kenny Trill and, and the stupid A&M Aggies. <laughs> and so then they've been just lights out. Yeah. And that's where it shows Saban's recruits can, can you know, do the, do, the, do the damn thing and make their hips swing. <laughs> they've, been, they've been awesome. And another game, Ohio State and Michigan State. Michigan State wins. They essentially win the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the big game that a lot of people are talking about, and this could have uh, playoff implications, Number 10, Notre Dame, at number 9, Arizona State. Now, this is a Notre Dame team that's still flirting with the top 10 mm-hmm. after the loss to Florida State. Yeah. But then you have Arizona State, who I believe is the highest, next to Oregon, is the highest-ranked Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. And Oregon plays Utah at Utah. Yeah. So, can we imagine, the last time Arizona State has been this good was when Jake the Snake Plumber was on that's the team. That's right, the, the, that Rose Bowl team. If, if, if they beat Notre Dame, do, you, do they have a case to be in the playoff? I think they'll have a case. I think that it's going to be, because this is going to be a big game, because, you know, they get Notre Dame at home. And this is Notre Dame's toughest test, and they could make a case if they went out that they could make a case for the playoff, but I think they may still need some teams. But you look at what Notre Dame's one loss would be, that was, you know, going to Florida State and having the controversial call. I mean, I they think almost it, won. They almost won the game. Arizona State, they had the one loss to UCLA, who started to play better, but they also lost by 35 to UCLA. And the next week they needed that miraculous Hail Mary to beat SC. I mean, of course, both teams are good. But, you know, you look at – Arizona State, they don't play Oregon. You look at their schedule the rest of the way. After Notre Dame, they're at Oregon State. Oregon State's not that great. And then they get they host Washington State. Um, Mike, the team, they haven't been good. They lost Connor Holiday, but Mike Leach has always got something up his sleeve, the Pirate himself. And then they go at Arizona in the Territorial Cup. That will be a fun game to watch because Arizona's good, even though they just they just lost to UCLA. But I like Notre Dame, even as their defensive line has, is a little banged up. But I like uh, Notre Dame. I'm still not confident that Arizona State can get those big wins. And Notre Dame plays the physical style, that not unlike how UCLA plays. And you, When UCLA, because Arizona State likes to play with a lot of speed and flash on the perimeter. But when you get a team that can pound them and play physical with them, as well as a quarterback that can make plays and ever Golson, I think Notre Dame's going to go and win, even as they're a little shaken up on their defensive line. But that's going to be a good game to watch. Yeah, Notre Dame has had very, very odd opponents in which uh, they played, you know, from Syracuse to Florida State to Navy last mm-hmm. week at FedEx Field. Uh-huh. So do you have Notre Dame going on the road to Tempe several time zones and winning? Yes, I do. Which uh, I agree with you on that. I think yeah. if Arizona – because Florida um, – Notre Dame hasn't played a team. Of course, that's that's the only that's the uh, the elephant in the room. Florida State hasn't played a team with a spread off uh, offense. Yeah, a team that puts up like forty points a game. An Arizona State team that's beat SC, which I don't know how. Yeah, and and because if, if they win, if, if Arizona wins out, you know, they're they're playing in the Pac-12 championship against Oregon. Yes, which that's like a sixty-fifty game in the making. Oh, absolutely. But then Oregon has Utah. I think uh, if Notre Dame wins, do they, do they get playoff? Uh, you know, I when I've been making my predict my bowl projections, I haven't had them in because I think there are teams ahead of them in the rankings, and I don't know if Notre Dame with their remaining schedule because after Arizona State, yeah, uh, it's it's a drop off exactly. Northwestern and Louisville who are pretty pretty weak in their respective conferences, mm-hmm. and then they end the season at SC. Yeah, so really none of those games. I mean, I can see maybe Louisville being a trap game before they go to SC, but. You look at the remaining schedule, and they're already behind a TCU, K-State, Michigan State, who we'll talk, get to uh, momentarily. But I think they'll have, a, they'll have a case. And if you want to consider the best loss, they have one of the best losses you could have. But I think they'll need one of the team above them to, to possibly lose. And if they want to get into that playoff in that semifinal. Well, if they win, it's it's certain that someone will lose. 
TCU or Kansas, oh, well, yeah. or TCU or Kansas of State. But, but, and then even if they're already ahead of them. And then even if Alabama loses to LSU, uh-huh. you got Notre Dame right And those there. Big 12 teams, they don't play a championship game. Right. And 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 they'll probably get the benefit of the doubt at an at, maybe at an at-large bid just because mm-hmm. top five teams in the Big 12 are all within the top 25. Exactly. Unlike the Pac-12, which you had USC ranked and then out. Yeah. UCLA was as high as, what, eight? Yeah, and then now out. they're back to eleven. They've been playing well of late. I mean, they've they've been inconsistent, but they had that kind of a, a grinder win against Arizona. Who so actually, no, they're eighteen. Pardon me. They were. I was confused at the previous ranking, but you know they've been they have a couple losses, but they've looked solid. They played three games in a row. I mean, they won three in a row. Of course, they struggled at Cal, and Cal's actually a solid club. And then they also had were taken to double overtime at, by the Buffs. And even though the Buffs look a little more competitive, it's, they're still I think they're still winless in conference. But yeah. you know, as, soon as, anyway. they, as soon as they get that one win, we're gonna drink a lot of beer tonight. That's our college football predictions. Um, Michigan, Michigan, you said Michigan State if they, they control their own destiny if they beat Ohio State. I think they will because of the, look at the 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 division title they would play it would either be Iowa or Nebraska, and I don't think ew. But <laughs> exactly why, or even Minnesota could get in that mix, unbelievably. Yeah. But I think that I think Michigan State's going to win on Saturday. Ohio uh, State's played a lot better. They haven't really played anybody, but I think that they're so good on offense, but they can be shut down by this tough Michigan State defense. And it's in East Lansing. Exactly. So I think Michigan State will win out, and they'll be a strong playoff contender because their one loss was going to Oregon, and but they got. And they're, out. they're like they're like basically in a situation. Sort of like what um, what TCU could be. They're mm-hmm. one loss against a very good opponent. Or Kansas yeah. State. If Kansas State, you know, wins out in the Big 12, their one loss is against a very good non-conference opponent, mm-hmm. which is what uh, Brian... And again, they should have won if they could make a field goal. Right, which, which is what Brian Kelly was making a pitch on the Dan Patrick show, saying we play teams like Florida State, Navy, we play a very diverse mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah. Unlike the uh, you know, Alabama, who's going to play Western Carolina, <laughs> barn burner. But uh, the big, big board of college football matchups presented by 1-800-Flowers, 12 noon Eastern, Fox Sports 1, number 12 Baylor, number 15 Oklahoma. Should be an exciting one. Further down, later in the day, we have that Notre Dame-Arizona State game. Day game, ABC, 3.30 Eastern. I'm pretty sure game day will be in Tempe, so I want to give a shout-out to my cousin, Kyle Kirchival, who is currently a freshman at Arizona State, who has been spoiled with a fantastic program with many television games. In fact, all television games. 7.30 Eastern, number 7 K-State taking on number 6 TCU on Fox. Gus on the call. Then Vernon, Gary Danielson later that night, 8 p.m. Eastern, number 5 Alabama, and number 16 LSU. And then at the same time, ABC, 14 Ohio State travels to number 8 Michigan State. And then if you're a night owl like all of us, (laughs) Oregon, Utah, 10 p.m. on ESPN. Before we get to some media beef, we want to talk some NFL. Big trends, especially last night, Thursday Night Football, the Browns winning. You know, we, this is a Browns team we laughed at. Yeah. Thinking, you know, they're not going to be able to, with Johnny Manziel, what's going to happen? What what are they going to do? They're 6-3 and three after <laughs> this win. And then facing up against the Steelers, they're one of the best teams in that division. You know, if, if they play as well as this, could this team even make the playoffs? You know, it's... Who, Cleveland? I mean, yeah. But, you know, what's interesting about Cleveland that I said this in my NFL picks, I mean, they definitely, they, I'm surprised they're 6-3. and three. They're really not that great of a team. Brian Hoyer has been good, not great. They've had a shuffle of running backs. And they're done with Pittsburgh, too. They split. Exactly. They, they, got, they got one of the best teams in their division. So, so as of right now, now, they're tied for first with Pittsburgh at 6-3 and three apiece. Now, everyone is within a game of the lead because it's very tight in the AFC North, and Pittsburgh is uh, on their bye in, in a couple weeks. But, you know, this Cleveland club, a very surprising win. I mean, Andy Dalton was just atrocious last night. He was like, he was like 10 for 33. Didn't even get 100 yards. He had three picks. But you look at this Cleveland schedule the rest of the way. They host Houston. Houston's been – a little all over the map. They're a 500 club. They go to Atlanta. Atlanta's awful. They go at Buffalo. Buffalo has been a surprise playoff contender in their own right. Then they have a four-game ending slate. They're hosting Indianapolis. Tough game. They host Cincinnati, which will be interesting to watch. 
You go at Carolina, they're not very good. And then at Baltimore, it's been good. But the record, I think, it's a little underwhelming for a team that has looked as good as they have as well. So they're in the mix. They've shown that they can beat these teams and they can win. I'm not certain how they're doing it, especially with a first-year coach. And, you know, people have already forgot. When was the last time somebody said the name Johnny Manziel? So Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> Or those, that excellent uh, commercial he does with Roger Staubach for the, the Heisman House. Oh, geez. Uh, Johnny Jamboogie. Yeah, Johnny <laughs> This Cleveland team is, is – Yeah. The, the Cincinnati and Baltimore games, the, those could be – if they win those games, I think they win the division because Pittsburgh will lose against maybe against Baltimore because those, those games are always you know bloodbath. Looking at, the, looking at the Steelers, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to Ben Roethlisberger who's been lights out. When they were just you know you know minutes from from losing their season, everyone's like fire Tomlin. You know they they had lost you know three of their last five games, and then they win. They beat the Colts, they beat the Ravens. Uh, Pittsburgh though they still have against Kansas City, who could you know be fighting for a playoff spot, considering how well they've been playing. And that San Diego's lost a few games, and then they have the Bungles as well. But then Pittsburgh's got you know the easy schedule. They got the Jets, the Tuxedos, Tennessee Titans, the Saints who have been looking pretty sluggish. But then they have Cincinnati back to back in a month. So that AFC North is wild and insane. And I don't know why Brian Hoyer is salvaging. You know, they have no Josh Gordon, he's out for the season. But this the Cleveland defense though. I think it's been the reason why they've been so good. Mm-hmm. You know, they have Joe Hayden, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And then they got Kruger from the the Ravens? Uh, yeah, they got Kruger from the Ravens last year. Yeah, and he's, he's solid. So I don't know what is going on in Cleveland. It must be something in the water. Because in the Cleveland's now this, I say the city of winners because, you know, Cavaliers. Yeah. But that, that, that's a, that was an exciting game. We'll see how Cleveland does uh, in in future games. Big exciting media game. Fox, uh, Dallas at Jacksonville via London. Which, yeah, the Cowboys have had this great start. Two straight losses, and everyone wants Jerry Jones's head. Yeah. And so if you're Garrett and Jones and company, do you play Do you play Tony Romo against one of the worst teams in the league in a venue that's not even yours? Exactly. You know, um, it's T... That, you know, Jacksonville, they've been kind of competitive of late, but it's still the Jags, and they're still a ways away from competing. So I wouldn't – if he's – it looks like he's going to be go. He's been, he's listed as probable. I wouldn't rush it. If he can play, he can play. But I wouldn't take any chances. We'll definitely see a hearty supply of DeMarco Murray. has been fantastic this year. He already has career highs virtually across the board in, like, every statistic – also, doesn't have to actually stayed healthy this year, but I, I if he if Romo can play, you should play him. I mean, because Whedon is a is Brandon Whedon is a train wreck. Speaking of the Browns, as we saw last week, exactly he was just, he was a mess. The Des Bryant, you know, yeah, giving him the are you crazy sign. <laughs> so fifth grade, yeah. But I think you got to rely, even if he plays, you got to rely on Murray. You got to have your not throw that much because it's not going to take that much against a against a pretty meaty, pretty bad Jacksonville club. Yeah, that's that's the London game. Uh, interesting how now I think they'll be up to five games next year. Yeah. For the future side of the London game. And Jack. now they're telling teams that if you want to host a Super Bowl, you have to give up a home game to London, which is so, so ridiculous. Goodell, but, Goodell wants London Super Bowl so bad. Yeah. We can taste it. I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Roy Hodgson, of the uh, the manager for the uh, Three Lions English Soccer Club. Very, he's unhappy that games are booked near Euro 2016 qualifying games. <laughs> so I love that. Europeans taking shots at the NFL. And then we have America's team playing in... London. And other big games, that's pretty much it. You're packed with the Bears, who have been woeful. Yeah. Cutler, not worth the money he was given. Andy Dalton, as we saw last night, not worth the money he was given. That's pretty much it. Thoughts on the uh, Denver-New England game last week? People were hating on Tom Brady. I went on this show and said, nay, Tom Brady is as as good as ever. Just (laughs) give him time. And they end up waxing the Broncos. 
And your boy Brett Favre on the record saying Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL today. The Patriots for real. You know, I think they, especially with a very impressive win, uh, you know, they're a tough team to play in Foxborough, and they blew out Denver, a team that was widely regarded before to be the best team in football. So, the, you know, this Patriots team, Tom Brady's very much in the mix for MVP with like guys like Manning, Andrew Luck, some Murray action. Brady's been playing sensational of late, and he's had been having a great year, even with a, a still a supporting cast that's not that great. He lost um, the running back, um, not the guy that was from Cal, not Vereen. They lost uh, Ridley. They lost Ridley. I believe he's out for the year. And the receiving core, I mean, Gronkowski is looking like the Gronkowski of old. He's a leading receiver, too. Exactly. I just want to pass that by, everyone. I mean, you know, he's been great, and he's looked very healthy, too. And that's two Gronkowski family mentions. Got to love it. And then Edelman, solid, uh, you know, solid, unspectacular uh, possession guy. But beyond that, the team, I mean, it's not that great, but, you know, they've been playing great as well. They're looking like a team that could very well get to find themselves in Glendale, Arizona in February playing for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they have, and they have, you know, three key games because they're coming off the bye week next week, which is was much earned. Mm-hmm. Back when they lost to Kansas and they got drummed 41-14 to 14 against Kansas City, I said their schedule is very favorable to them. And they had the Bengals, the Bills, and the Jets. And then they hit the Chicago team, which was bad. And that game was in Foxborough. Then winning this Denver team, they rest the players, and then the next three opponents, Indianapolis, Detroit, and and your pack. If they can get through those three games, they end it with San Diego, Miami, the Jets again, and Buffalo. So they'll probably win their division as they are currently a game ahead of Buffalo, who is going toe-to-toe with Miami for second place. Tom Brady looked great. And it's yeah. it's it's awesome to watch the golden boy still at it <laughs> as as he as he told Boston radio station and we played the sound bite on the show he will retire when he sucks and fans <laughs> Tom Brady is in no kind of like us no position of sucking anytime soon hmm. uh, uh under ten minutes to go on the show fanatic radio my gardener Ben Florence check out the show on the blog beflow three sixty dot com and the podcast on iTunes. As our college basketball preview, it'd be next week. But the great thing is, Sports Illustrated came out with the, with the covers this this week mm-hmm. with four guys that hardly anyone knows, <laughs> which is uh, which is fantastic. Uh, thoughts of the buzz of college basketball on this campus? You know, I think there's definitely going to be a, a good amount of excitement because we had a team that was in the tournament. People actually started to care last year. You notice, you know, winning is the, you know, the elixir that cures cures all ills. And we actually had good crowds last year for our our uh, for the team, and especially as it went on to win. And you know, you had good, great uh, fan support when uh, for the Patriot League championship game and and ball uh, at BU. And then you had fans that trekked all the way to Milwaukee, Thrillwaukee, if you will. And so I think there's a lot of excitement. You know, we're preseason number one in the Patriot League. I think that, you know, and I think people realize that the team this year is projected to be good. You know, we still have to see them on the court. And But I think especially, and especially after winter break when people start to come back, I think you're going to see a good amount of support, more so than perhaps we've seen or you saw in your four years before the team uh, went to the tournament last year because we're looking like the favorite, we're looking very good. And But it, as I've said before, all eyes are on AU this year in the Patriot League. It's always not a very, you know, there's not a huge disparity in the conference. And now after last year, we had the new coach. Nobody really knew what was going to happen with Brennan. And now, but now everyone's chasing us. So we're not going to be surprising in here anybody this year. So it's going to be it's going to be a very uh it's going to be a cool season, I think. Uh hopefully if we do end up winning, we meet the hype this year on campus. Yeah, and uh once again, Brennan's bringing in the transfers. That's right. Kevin Panzer and Jonathan Davis debut this year. We got a guy from UConn through I've heard through the grapevine from Kevin Ollie's UConn team. Mm-hmm. 
which is wild. Our college basketball preview will be next week here on Fanatic Radio. I uh, want to roll forward with uh, some fantastic media beef. Mm. We love we love beef on the show. Always. Uh, and we'll start before we get to uh, the Prince of New York. We will uh, we'll talk about the thing with ESPN. We mentioned Bill Simmons, how he got um, suspended and fined for th- comments he made on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I What was that originally for? He was... Uh, Bill Simmons, uh, he said that no wait what what he was suspended for yeah the first time oh yeah well he went on the BS report and he basically called Goodell a liar <laughs> and he threatened basically more or less threatened the superiors I hope I he was like I hope I I can't wait to get a letter from somebody and here I'm I'm in trouble for that and then they suspended him for three weeks no oh, jeez so now he's back and immediately in trouble again. Because he's uh, going toe-to-toe with ESPN radio host Mike Golick. And they said things have worked out, but here's uh, just a clip of how it originally uh, bubbled to the surface. Okay, basically, apologize for that. Flo, Flo, what happened? What you you know this better than I do. So uh, Simmons went on the Coward Show, and he basically he he talked about that you know he's lo- he's watched uh, LeBron James, and he says he physically doesn't look the same that he was last year because he did lose a lot of weight in the off season, but he hasn't looked you know physically strong going to the basket. And then he prefaced what he said next was that, you know, I don't think, I think it's too early to say, you know, that he's a shell of himself. And, you know, he didn't want his words to be taken out of contest. Now, mind you, he doesn't want that. So, and then he he more or less said that the he didn't want, um, or he thought that could this possibly be a situation now? He, he also prefaced his comments that it is early. That it's only a few games in. It's only the week's been, you know, it's only a week old. But he basically went on to say after having, he didn't know if he was hurt and all that stuff. But then he said, you know, is there is he not in a basketball frame of mind yet? Because he has the whole coming home narrative, you know, all the commercials and all that. And then before, and then he said his Pujols theory that could it be when Albert Pujols signed a huge contract, went to L.A., and while he was still good, he was not what he was. And then Golik, they played only the part, only the Pujols comment. They didn't play anything else. Yep. They didn't play anything prefacing that. And then Gouls went to town, and they took a cheap shot at him. He was like, I know he's a guy that likes to make headlines. And then Simmons came back and was like, well, I, that, that's garbage what you just said. And I would say that I have respect for your program. But I don't, and I never had. No, oh, jeez. So, but then Golik said he talked to him, and then he went on and said, you know, we did take him out of context. There's no beef. So it was it's certainly a volatile feud that happened for you know about 24 hours, and all of a sudden it was fine. But you know, Simmons, a little volatile himself. He had issues with ESPN management. So here again, you know, he didn't start it, but he's not somebody that if you're going to take a shot at him, that you know. I was like, bring a gun to a knife fight kind of guy, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Ain't nobody got time for that. So much beef. And uh, quickly before we end the show, what's going on in New York? Your boy Zahn is at it again with Michael K. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, because Alex Rodriguez, there's a new report from the Miami Herald that he had admitted to using performance and anti-drugs. And people looked at when he went on the Francesa show, and Francesa kind of pushed him, but not really about it, but did ask him, have you ever used it? And he said, no. And he was frank about it. And then Michael Kay, who's a competitor to Mike Francesa, who's been second in the sports of, of two. For a while, he's also known for being the play-by-play voice on television for the Yankees. And before that, he was on radio. He's been in New York sports media for a while. He's on ESPN Radio New yes. York. And, you know, but of course, that's what the Pope. But then he went on the whole thing because – Francis has said, because after that it was announced that he was going to leave, that Yes was canceling the show, which has the Yankees, and they were going to replace him with Michael K. Francis has said that they wanted more control over the content, and with K, they'd have somebody who's more control, that they have more control over. But then out of the blue, K went off with this monstrous rant 
And then against Francis, and then Francis, of course, shrugged it off. Like, you know, you, you can do whatever you want, but I'm still number one. That's not going to change. So there's a whole big little beef. But, you know, everyone, including myself, has used the word beef. But Francesca doesn't really take shots back. He just kind of says one thing about it, uh, sweeps it under the rug, and moves on. Because it's almost like punching down in a way. He's been, you know, he is number one. So in New York, he's been number one for a long time. So as he will be the first to let you know about that. So, But we love beef on this show. And a lot of beef that's broken in really only the last few days. Which one? Which, which story do you buy or sell? Or do you buy both? Or sell both? I think the K thing, I think K did have a little bit of a legitimate beef in that. But, th- I mean, this is also almost a year ago. Actually, it was a year ago when K when Francis was like, yeah, they, they, he has more control over the show. Or, yes, wanted more control over the content. And, you know, the A-Rod thing may have played a role, which it did. Because Yankees were clear they weren't happy with A-Rod. And Francis uh, was in a way defending A-Rod somewhat, at least the media coverage. He argued that there was a little beef. But I think K's definitely frustrated. I I think that the – I think goal, like I think they're being legitimate that saying that – and I think Simmons had a legitimate gripe that they did take him out of context. I mean, you can't deny that. Yeah. So I think that is one thing. The fact that Simmons say I never respected the program, I think that's – that's something, but I think the fact that you know Golick and they went out of their way to go to Simmons and basically bury the hatchet, I have to give them some credit for that. So I think that feud, if you will, I think that's relatively done. Feel lucky if he's taking basket weaving. He's going to make 120 million next year. All right. So uh, before we end the show, <laughs> any uh, any final shout outs or uh, big uh, big news? in the week that uh, caught your attention? Well, I think the fact that you're back here, I think everyone was excited. Uh, my roommate, Marlon, also known as Marlon Kraft. You can check out his music on Facebook to give him a little plug. But everyone's excited to see you back. I think even people this morning when you were uh, going to campus, that I think people were like, whoa, he's, he's back. Yeah. So I think everyone's uh, great to see you back. Uh, you know, I think it's great that we're back doing the show here. It's, it's much different than me calling into the show. But Don't break think, the fourth wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. <laughs> I always do that. But, uh, yeah, I think that's probably one of the bigger stories maybe right here. All right, I have two. I want to give a shout-out to uh, both men's soccer and volleyball, which are, I will be returning back on the call this weekend for both senior days. There you go. Like so, you never left. You just get right back into the thick of it. Right. Uh, as, my, as my boss uh, described it. It's like the like the Rolling Stones tour, like, like the farewell tour or the yeah. uh, reunited <laughs> tour. So uh, volleyball plays. Both teams play tomorrow, mm-hmm. senior day. A lot of good friends of mine, both both teams. A men's soccer team that if they do well in the Patriot League tournament, they could get an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And then volleyball is uh, four games away from yet yeah, another undefeated season in Patriot League play. Those games are at noon. Men's soccer is at noon. Volleyball is at four. Shout out to American University. Also, I want to give a shout out to um, a girl named Syra Blair, 18 year old, fiscally conservative from West Virginia in the Eastern Panhandle, about an hour and a half outside Washington D.C., was elected to the, um, I guess the Virginia West Virginia legislature. Legislator, right? an 18 year old, someone <laughs> younger than us. Now How about that we go to a school. Well, for all you go to a school. I graduated from a school. <laughs> That's right. And it's very sort of self-conscious with the uh, with the political community. You know, we had the Want campaign. Now everyone is in the know. <laughs> the Want, the, the the Mike Brennan Want No Challenge. Oh, jeez. Well, your your thoughts on an 18 year old being, you know, someone, of, I guess, of high power in the state of West Virginia, being the uh, the political junkie you are. Are you surprised that this happened? You know, I think we we've seen stuff like this kind of before. Like we've seen like very young people be elected like mayors of their town, but they're usually small towns. And I don't know how big this whole district is, but I'm sure that you know she you know went around because a lot of state legislatures and legislators they're part time jobs. You you don't it's not like Congress where you do it for full time. Like even in New Jersey, like a lot of these people have other jobs. It's always like an, another thing. So, but you know, hey, 18 years old and a public policy maker, 
I don't want to say what I was doing when 18 years old, but it certainly was not that, at least not yet. So, but, you know, crazy story. But, you know, hey, people, young people want to get involved. Everyone says that, you know, you know, politics is full of old people or old white people. And so a young 18 years old, I think that's I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, becomes the I guess the youngest state lawmaker in the nation and mm-hmm. uh, gained national attention when she defeated a 66 year old Republican incumbent in a primary when she was 17. And, yeah. I mean, you got to give the people what they want. Absolutely. So shout out to her. Uh it is in West Virginia, though. She did win big, 63%. So, you know, people obviously must have liked what she said. She is in a state, though, mm-hmm. that, no offense, will probably make no difference. Uh, you know, I'm not taking, I'm not having to go at West Virginia. I've been to that state, and, it, and I say the scenery is very beautiful, and I will leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but once again, this has been Fanatic Radio, uh, presented by 1-800-Flowers. Please don't hate us, West Virginia. <laughs> Promo uh, offer. you. The offer ends the uh, the 16th of November. You can save 20% on your purchase of flowers and gifts when you use the Visa checkout at 1-800-Flowers.com. Use the promo code VISA20 at checkout to get beautiful uh, flowers and bouquets just in time for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Holidays, we'll be plugging this a lot. Thanks to our good friends at 1-800-Flowers. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And so is, ironically, our uh, our college basketball preview. Gotta love it. But that's all we have uh time on the show today mm-hmm. you can catch us uh next week 4 p.m eastern on blogtalkradio.com slash fanatic radio Flo and i break down the college basketball landscape can au have what it takes to repeat with uh, a boston team that has been dissimilated and the best teams out there lafayette and army yes which ugh, makes me want to puke but <laughs> fran o'hanlon man oh geez a legend that's Atina. And then uh, what's the other the coach of what's the guy's name Spiker? Yeah, Zach Spiker. <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah, exactly. So okay, you can catch us on the podcast on iTunes. We can talk NASCAR, college football, and the NFL, and catch it on the blog bflow360.com. This has been Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program, presented by One Eight Hundred Flowers. The notorious Ben Florence. I'm Mike Gardner. Saying so long. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.